welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. Have a victory! Please be seated. Wonderful to be back in Adelaide where God lives. Come on. He does have a cottage in Cape Town, but he pops in now and again to Adelaide. Thank you. I'll have a burger and fries, no onions. Thank you very much. Our women in South Africa aren't that good. I mean, this is amazing. Good to be back at Victory. Um, I was here when this was an absolute mess, and it now looks stunning. Well done to you guys. This is a brilliant effort. Uh, great to see all the progress here. Uh, if I lived in Adelaide, I'd come to this church, and if you're visiting, you're looking for a church, I don't know why you'd look anywhere else. In fact, if I lived in Adelaide, I'd go to the edge, and I'd say, why are you still here? <clears throat> no, I wouldn't. I've never been there, so that, that could be unkind. But uh, it's great to be with you this morning. My wife sends her love. She uh, couldn't be here with us. But I brought Steph, and he's hiding somewhere. Where are you, Steph? Oh, you're back. You're back. All right. But maybe Steph had gone to the edge. Didn't want to hear me. <clears throat> he's gone over the edge being working with me. Steph is one of our elders. He leads one of the congregations, and he's married to a lovely woman, Kaz, a little girl. And so um, the last couple I brought, Darby and Lisa, remember them? Maybe some of you remember them? Um, they're in New York helping with the church there. So we kind of get around. Well, 1 Corinthians 15, please. I want to speak this morning of things of first importance. Um, I believe there are many of us that have come to Christ recently, and whether you are a brand new convert or whether you're just about to be converted. Anybody in my left over here might be thinking I'm talking about them. Um, uh, if you're just about to be converted, or you are converted, or you've been a Christian forever, then this is for you. And let's go to 1 Corinthians 15. You all okay? You understand my accent? Should I, should I try and be Australian? Nah? Good eye, good eye, yeah, yeah. Come on. <laughs> Flat out like a lizard drinking. Uh, all right. All right. Come on. All right. Let's move on. Let's get spiritual and religious. <clears throat> no, not religious, but let's get spiritual. Let's get it started in here. 1 Corinthians 15. There we go. Now, I would remind you, brothers and sisters, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance that what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Cephas, or Peter, then to the twelve. Then He appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. The Bible's very polite. What it means is some have died. All right, because I know there's some brothers here that are still waking up, but good morning to you. But when someone says something's of first importance, it's like this is really, 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 really important. This is something you mustn't miss. This is something worth repeating. And uh, Paul really wants the Corinthians to get it. Uh, he wants them to really understand the gospel and when you get it well in the beginning, it's a lot easier. Like when you got married, that couple that got married a couple of weeks ago. As soon as the bloke gets it, she's happy. And if he doesn't get it, and if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. 
first things first of first importance. And so whether you've been a Christian for a long time or not is irrelevant. The Christian walk is continually returning to the first importances. It's a constant return back to the basics. And some of us are, are, are uh, offended by the basics, especially those of us who like to say we are charismatic, whatever that means. Or we're prophetic. We always want the new thing. We want the new day. And we're on the edge and um, we're on the cutting edge of theology. And, uh, and sometimes we forget that some of the most important stuff is stuff we tend to leave behind us. Paul's saying, don't forget this. This is of first importance. He wants to tell us, number one, that reminders are important. Reminders. If you go to our house, my wife has written reminders on the fridge. You know, they're fridge magnets, and there's my wife's reminders. And the kids don't even read that. I don't know who she's writing that for. Some disembodied ghost that runs through our house might read it. No one else reads it. Above the sink, there's a little message to the kids. Please put your stuff away. It's like it might as well not even be there. But reminders are really important. And that's why we don't want to miss any gathering. I now and again run into some stupid Christians. You know any, any stupid Christians? No, not the guy on your left. No, that's not fair. Come on now. Come on. But I meet some stupid Christians who say, I don't want to go to church. I don't have to go to church. I'm a Christian. I don't have to go to church to, to love Jesus. And I don't have to go to church to go to heaven. And I, I wish that, that two things would qualify you for heaven. One, is your tithing, because some of you wouldn't make it. <laughs> I'm going to laugh at my own jokes. This is a really sad day. <laughs> Secondly, I wish people wouldn't go to heaven unless they went to church. You know, when my parents were kids in the church, if you didn't go to church, you were going to, you were going to, you're going to hell. And if you're wearing jeans, you're going faster to hell. <laughs> but it's not true. You don't get to heaven based on how much you give or whether you attend. But it's, it's crazy that our, our pastors have to kind of have women jumping out of cake saying, come to church. And we'll give the first 10 people, you know, a carry pack of beers if they come to church. You know, we'll clip your coupon. And on the 10th visit, we'll put you into a lucky draw to win a plasma TV. That's crazy, that. I mean, the reason we come to church is to be reminded of the things of first importance. You should never, ever, ever miss church. In fact, if you did, we should come and raise you from the dead and then rebuke you for chickening out. There's work to do. There's no time to die. We can do that later. When we're old. <coughs> I was going to say when we're old like Moggy, but he's been picked on already today. But that's why we don't want to miss church, because it's an opportunity for us to understand what it really means to follow Jesus. And so today is a reminder moment. That's why we're here. That's why we sing. Nothing going to hold me back. Why do we sing that? Because there's a heck of a lot of stuff that holds me back. That's basic. That's what it is. That's not awesome. It's basic. I'm embarrassed to have to say it. It's awesomely basic. It's basic in an awesome way. You know, I, I understand understand what you're saying. And that's how we read our Bible. We were small. We went to children's church. They said, we sang, read your Bible, pray every day. Okay, I was small then. Read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, 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 and you'll grow, grow, grow. And then forget your Bible, forget to pray. And you what? Yeah, you'll shrink, shrink, shrink. Some of those kids need a shrink after all those years. 
And you read, now the tone was, have you read your Bible today? Hmm. <laughs> People who love Jesus read their Bibles. Why haven't you read your Bible? And that's, that's the tone. No, no, we rush to our Bibles because our Bibles are opportunities for us to be reminded about how big God is and how absolutely useless you are. Turn to your neighbor and say, you've no idea how useless you really are. In a nice, encouraging way. And so I read my Bible, and I, I read my Bible, and I see, oh God, that's how you are. Oh, that's what you like. That's why I read it, to be reminded of things of first importance. Because you're not going to get this in men's health. Do you have men's health here, Ozzy? Men of men's health? Tells lies. You can have abs like mine in six days. <laughs> You can, you know, just eat whatever you want to eat. Because round is a shape, and I'm, I used to have a six-pack, and I'm discovering a kind of sort of history, you know, like archaeology. There's a, like, it was, there was something there once upon a time, now it's a barrel. And so we, we gather in our, our, do you have life groups? Or we come to prayer, and we even go to the block. We, have a, we go to the block, we have a beer, and we punch the lights out of the block in Jesus' name. And... Uh, and it's not about the beer. You know, you know what it is? It is about the beer, but only one. Okay, only one. And we come to the bloke, and we come to the men's breakfast. And by the way, your woman, your ladies here, those men, I mean, I've never seen such a perfect group of men in my life. Amazing. I don't know what you shooters are complaining about. They're pretty awesome blokes. There were two blokes hanging up the washing. It was quite pathetic. They took... They didn't know what to do. They looked lost. No one to tell them what to do, you know. The other day I said to Jan, we've been married 26 years. I said, babes, you know, I want to officially, because we drive into a car park. What does she do? There's a parking over there. Does she think I'm blind? I mean, how did I get there? How did I drive to that place? You know? was, I, was I feeling out the window? That's crazy stuff. She So I, said, I stopped the car. I found my own parking in Jesus' name. I stopped the car. I said to Babes, I want to officially tell you, after 26 years of marriage, I've known you for three, I've pretty much known you for 30 years, and pray for me. Um, I've known you for so long. Can I officially tell you, I do not need you to help me find a, a car park. And she was gra- grateful for the clarification. <laughs> And so we, we, we come, to come on a Sunday, we come Sunday night, we come when the doors are locked, we come on Monday, Wednesday, we camp out, we buy a little pup tent, we live here in the car park, hoping they're going to open up, because somebody might open the Bible and teach me something. Well, not exactly, but come when it's open. But we come because we want to be reminded of the truth of God's Word, and we want to get all the, the rubbish values washed away by the Word of God. You see, you're going to leave here, and you're going to go and hit, hit men's health world, you're going to hit whatever magazines you have in media, and you're not going to hear anything that exalts God. You're not going to hear anything that tells you how big and how magnificent and how awesome He is. The only time you're going to hear God is when they blaspheme because they're running out of, out, out of, out of script in television and, and movies. And so we get our values clarified. We get the rubbish washed out, and we get the good stuff put in. I remind, I'm reminding you, Paul says, things of first importance. This is not stupid stuff. This is not irrelevant stuff. This is stuff that's life and death. And so in 2 Peter 1, 13, he says, I think it right, as long as I'm in this body, to stir you up by way of reminder, since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon. I don't know why he doesn't say, because I'm going to die soon, but anyway. 
putting off my body. As the Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me, and I will make every effort, I don't know how he's going to do that, so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. He, he, old Peter, the old apostle, is about to die. He wants him to remember, because the Christian life is about remembering, and your success is about remembering, not just a couple of silly little fridge magnets. But my God will supply all your need as you open the fridge. <laughs> Again, he says in 2 Peter 3, verse 1, This is now the second letter I'm writing to you, beloved. In both of them, I'm stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder. That's why we gather today. That's why you open your Bible. I want to encourage you. You know, I'm good with God when I've opened my Bible and I'm getting regular input from God's Word. Really? I'm great with Jan. I'm the husband with the most. I'm the hottest husband in the world. I'm just the best husband when I'm good with God. Right? And I'm parent of the year. I'm dad of the year. I can do no wrong. I'm Superman. I don't have to wear my Superman undies outside my clothes. My kids say, are you the best? You know, when you walk away from God, when you, when you close your Bible, you, you, you don't come to church, you hang around the fringes of church life, all the other stuff kind of unwinds. For that couple, who, I forget the name, who, who got married three weeks ago? Matt and Debbie. Where are they? I've spoken to you. Matt, where's Debbie? She's gone already? Oh, no. Lock the doors. I mean, for Matt and Debbie to follow Jesus is the key to marriage. Those of you old people like Moggy, you half-dead people, you, you know. You know that the key to good marriage is not hot sex, although it is help a bit. The key to good marriage is following Jesus. A man happily married to himself makes a great husband. Come on, significant woman. Let's hear it. Woo! This gospel is of first importance. So what is the gospel? See, when I grew up in, in the old Pentecostal Assemblies of God church, we had a normal meeting in the morning, and then in the evening we had the gospel service. You know the gospel service? And then someone would say, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus, uh, unless a man is born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. You must be born again. And we had a gospel service, and we sang gospel songs. And my, my twin brother and my sisters and I and my mother and father, we were like the Von Traps. You know the Von Traps from Sound of Music? We sang all the items. We sang you know, in the background mood stuff. And, and that was us. And then, then someone would say, who wants to get saved? And I used to stand up there thinking, uh, Sunday school teacher, deacon, chairman of the deacons, uh, wannabe deacon, uh, ex-deacon, uh, irritating deacon. I mean, no one, was, no one was unsaved, it seemed to me, but week after week, and that was the gospel. The gospel for me was the entrance point into heaven. It was the eligibility ticket. That's how you get into heaven. And that's part of the gospel. I'm going to say this morning, the gospel is everything about God. The gospel is more than Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Now, if you're not a Christ follower here this morning, we're glad you came. We're expecting you. And let me say to you quite clearly, you must be born again. If you do not know Jesus, you must be converted. You must have your life changed. The wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life. Unless a man, unless a woman is born again, gets converted, comes to Christ, he, she cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. This is not messing around here. I want to use a stronger word, but you don't know me yet. This is serious. This is life and death. It's eternal life we're talking about. And we're glad you came. And I'm sorry for shouting at you. I just thought maybe you're a little hard of hearing. 
My friend Rigby Wallace says the gospel is the person of Jesus. The gospel is the foundational doctrine. It's the fountain that animates, gives life to all that we're doing as a church. It's not just about what, what's up on here. I mean, you see the excitement of the, of the backup singers? I mean, even the bass guitar smiled, the guitarist. I mean, that never happens. Bass guitarists in most churches. They're so cool, they're our answer to global warming. Even the, even the drummer looked excited, didn't you? I've never seen a drummer use, use a whole space for a little, you know, little thing. He's doing everything. I mean, he's everywhere. He's like aerobic drummer on steroids. Why is that? Do you think he has tight underwear or do you think that chair is, that chair is uncomfortable? No, there's something that an, an, animates them, right? There's no one back there with cue cards going, smile, smile, backup singer. There's some lovely backup girls and there's an ugly bloke up front here. I don't know who that was. Uh, he must have played footy, footy so ugly. I don't know who he is. No one's going, smile, smile. No, they're smiling. None of them have had any surgery that I could see, no crease lines. They, they were really happy. What is that? The gospel animating their life. The gospel from the inside out changing their lives. And that's what this is all about. It's not just a mechanism for salvation. It's not just the stairway to heaven. That should be a band or a song, shouldn't it? It's not just, you know, this is how you get into heaven. This is your ticket. No, 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 no. The gospel is God himself. And so Tim Keller says, the gospel is the dynamic for all heart change, life change, and social change. Change won't happen through trying harder. In fact, change won't happen until uh, we decide who your prime minister really is in this country. (laughs) That's a whole other joke. Um, that's a whole not, another issue. But uh, change won't happen through trying harder, but only through encountering with the radical grace of God. And that's why we're having the bloke and beer, and that's why significant girls are having a high tea that's really worth coming for for a measly little price of $10 at 10 o'clock. And don't you dare not pre-book because you won't get a gift. I listen, I listen. I'm a married man. I've been listening for years. You've got to listen, all right? Mate, listening, you're listening. All right, good. John Piper says, God is the gospel. I love that. Isn't it what he says? The world needs nothing more than to see the worth of Christ in the work and words of God-besotted people. This will come to pass when the church awakens to the truth that the saving love of God is the gift of himself and that God Himself is the gospel. And so when you respond to the gospel, you're not responding to some kind of disembodied moment. You're responding to God, the God of the universe, this great God who just thought the stuff and the stuff went bingo. I mean, without any effort, he just threw the universe. And scientists tell us that we've, quote, overlooked 80% of the universe. Well, of course we have, because we haven't got big enough telescopes. This great God, this unstoppable God, this incredible God, this magnificent God who wants a relationship with you. It is incredible. It is absolutely irresponsible and inappropriate for such a holy God to want to give himself to us. You must be born again if you're not. You've got to stop messing around and you've got to come to Christ. Not because you're weak. Not because you need a, a crutch. 
And if you're not a Christ follower and you run into Christians who, who are a weak kind of bunch of neutered vicar, boring, baptized in lemon juice, tight underwear, tight shoes, boring bitch, oh, boring moaning people. <laughs> Bo- I meant, I meant um, in the, with a Y on the end of that thing, I didn't, didn't say it well. But complaining, small, little-minded people, we're very sorry. Those are the few we didn't kill. We like to send some to heaven. I have two lists of our church people I'd love to keep and those I'd love to send to heaven. Lord, take them. Beam them up, Lord. Their day is done. Give them their reward. Because I'm sick and tired of them myself. Some of you are thinking, I'm so glad he's not my pastor. Well, I'm probably glad as well, all right? (laughs) There you go. All right, I'm relaxing now. So verse one, let's go back to our text. Of this gospel I preach to you, which you received, in which you stand. This is not a fairy tale. This is not some kind of make-believe stuff that Oprah came up with. This is not some kind of cop-out for weak people, deluded people who live in a parallel universe. No, no, no. No, no. You can take us to the bank. Well, that used to be a good saying, but nowadays you don't have the bank will be there when you get there. But you used to be able to, when your grandpa's day, take it to the bank. You can take us to the bank. You can follow Jesus all your days. All your days, and he will utterly satisfy. Who's been serving Jesus longer than 40 years? Anybody? Doesn't he satisfy? Isn't it worth it? Despite all the silly Christians you've met, it's still worth it, isn't it? Jesus satisfies like no beer or bloke day will do. I mean, Jesus will answer. Jesus will speak. Jesus will engage. Jesus will transform your life. This is what it's all about. You can take it to the bank. You can follow him all the days of your life. And... When you do get to heaven, you'll discover that's completely true. That all the songs you sang as a little bloke, a little girl in children's church, that was true. There is a God. There is a heaven. There is a hell. And it's hot. And it ain't for the weekend. Nor a long weekend. It's longer than a long weekend. That everything you believed was worth it. That it was worth saying no to pornography. It was really worth, Matt, investing in your marriage. It really was worth teaching your kids that we're not getting you to varsity, to university, to get a degree, to get a nice house and a picket fence and a swing and a weather vane. No, 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 no. We got all that stuff because we used it as an apostolic tool to bring the gospel. And the reason we had a car, even a Holden car, was to serve God's church and God's people. And so none of us bought a two-door Porsche because that's a very selfish thing to do. And, And the church needs your money anyway. It's good news. You see, the gospel is good news. You see, ad- advice is what Dr. Phil gives. Do you have Dr. Phil here? Got Dr. Bruce here? What do you got here? Dr. something. Dr. Pepper. All right? Advice is, you know, could be this, could be that. I don't know. Maybe this. How to manage this. How to do that. But news is always something that has happened. So Kevin Rudd, it's old news, isn't he? John who? Remember John? Howard? Brown, he wanted to be, but he never did. That's what was missing in his campaign. It's good news. It's happened. It's historic. It's done. You can stand on it. You, it's not something that might happen. It's already happened. This gospel has happened. God has come in His Son, Jesus Christ. God has saved you. God has called you. It's all wonderfully rooted way back there, which gives you courage. So Paul says, you can stand in this gospel. 
You can stand in this gospel. This gospel is strong. It's sturdy. It's not going anywhere. It's a foundation for living. It's a reliable operating system for your life. You can build your marriage on it. You can build your singleness on it. You can build your child rearing on it. You can build your career on it. This gospel is strong. It's here. It's now. It's not just the doorway to heaven. It's not just the stairway to heaven. Because when life gets tough and you get cancer and you've prayed all you can pray and you've fasted all you can fast and you've poured olive oil all over that you bought from a nice Arab in the Holy Land and you've spoken in tongues and you've bound the devil and you know sometimes stuff happens to good people and suddenly your marriage is falling apart and kids are on drugs and your business you can't even use the word cash flow because flows suggest movement. And life seems to come to a screeching halt and, or you're tempted towards adultery or you're tempted towards pornography and, a, and a passivity and a million other sins. What do you do? Who do you call? This gospel is the rock on which you stand. Not take, take a pill and foam me in the morning. When the unanswerable questions of life get thrown at you, this gospel is sturdy. And on this gospel you stand and you say from this gospel, hell no. When the devil comes, you say to him, hell no. Can you say hell no? Is that right here? Yeah. Hell, let's say together. Hell no. Well, no, we're not having that here. We're not, devil, you're not, we're not having that in our home. This gospel is the operating system. The gospel clears your head. It clarifies your position. It simplifies life it, it, because it narrows your options. See, there's so much option. You're going to go buy cereal in your supermarket. And like, what is it? I mean, which, which box of cardboard should we have? But the gospel narrows it all down. Oh, one woman. Okay, Jan, cool. All right, one woman, sex, same woman for a lifetime. Can be done. Take your vitamins. <laughs> narrows it all down, you know? There's it all done. All you young girls want to get married. So you, you don't marry some punk who's not saved because you have a problem with your father in law, the devil. Because yeah. yeah. the devil's the father of people who are not saved. Sorry, it sounds ugly, but I don't know how to say it in a nice way. <laughs> Narrow it down. Yeah. Simple. Yes. Not hard. Not hard at all. The gospel narrows it down, clarifies my options, and so you stand in Jesus. I don't stand in good intentions. I don't stand in New Year's resolutions. I'm standing in Jesus. He's the rock on which we stand. You young guys who desperately want to have sex, wait. You don't have to stand in cold showers. You're wasting water. Especially here in Australia, you want to do that. I you live in the other part of Australia. There's a lot of water. But you don't stand in good news resolutions. You don't news resolutions. You don't stand in self-effort. You don't stand in your own wisdom. How should this work? You're standing on the, on the rock, the gospel. Who is Christ? You're standing in Him. And so when your doubts come, those of you who've been saved for a long time, you've had some doubts about God and Jesus and the gospel? You should have, unless you're just, you know, dead. It's quite normal to have some doubts. But when the doubts come, well, you go back to the gospel. Clarify that for me. Go back to the gospel. Feed your soul. And so if God is the gospel, then you're not standing in something. You're standing in God alone, which is the best thing you could ever do. It's called standing. And so Ephesians 6 says, Therefore take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm, stand therefore. 
I love that verse. I don't, I don't read the full stop. I'm like a, a you know, guy who just drives and forgets about the traffic signals or, or the speed limits. Look at verse, verse 5. Having done all to stand firm, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having on the breast, breastplate of righteousness. And then uh, it says in verse uh, 14, 16, Therefore stand, stand therefore, having fastened on the, breast, uh, the belt of truth, put on the breastplate of righteousness and the shoes of your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the enemy. We know this gospel. We're living by this gospel. And our theology is way more than a couple of bumper stickers and a few random church, a random fridge magnets that you got from Kurongs or wherever you got it from. And it's, look at verse 2. It says, by which you are being saved. I love that. I am saved. I don't know when I was saved. I've been born into the church, but I know I'm saved. Some of you will know, on the 14th of, of February, 19, 2012, I gave my life to Christ. I responded to Christ. You got the date. That's great. But we were, were saved historically. There's a historic date. And then we actually are being saved. And God wants to work in us. This gospel wants to keep working in us and through us until we die. When they close that lid, you better make sure your eyes are closed. Thank you. Where's that hamburger? Hasn't come yet. <laughs> when they close that lid on you, this gospel will work all that way. Something happened historically, and it keeps happening in you. A.W. Tozer, the great theologian, said, when you get born again, when you get converted, you stand on a new earth under a new sky, and you breathe in new air. All things are passed away. Behold, all things in the Greek is our being becoming new. So those of you who got saved last week, anybody got saved this month? So, so great, so you get saved, you respond to the gospel. Monday morning, oh, I have a big dirty movie thought in your head. Oh, I'm not saved. Oh, I can't be saved. No, you are saved. What's happening? Well, you know the devil's fighting, basically. He's going to send you all the movies he can think of. But you're on a journey of being transformed and changed with ever-increasing glory into the image of Jesus. You aren't what you were, and you're not what you will be, but you're on the process. I was saved, and I am being saved. This gospel in which you stand. And so 2 Corinthians 5.17 was the quote there. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. Excuse me. The old, this is emotional being here. <laughs> I'm just practicing for New Zealand, getting, getting in touch with my emotional side. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. It doesn't say it feels like it's new because our feelings are completely unreliable. Don't you agree with that? Having lived with yourself for so long, don't you know that your feelings are completely unreliable? Your feelings are unhelpful. Your feelings are unschooled. Your feelings are, are unintelligible. Don't run your life by feelings. They're nothing more than feelings. That should also be a song. But so if you give, you give it time, you stick with this Jesus. You stick with this gospel. You stick with it. Don't go, oh, you did it for a month and didn't really work. Because I went to church and no one greeted me. Well, that's normal. Not, not normal. This is not a normal church. People greet you. You're lucky. They didn't phone me for my birthday. Well, it's because your phone, you didn't charge your battery, right? 
Give it time. Stay with the gospel. Let the gospel work in you. And you're not going to believe this, but one day you could be nicer than Tony. <laughs> Standing here obediently, waiting to be dismissed. I love that. It's a bit weird, but I love it. <laughs> the gospel will make you a nicer man, a nicer woman. You need this gospel all the way until you breathe your final breath. Jonathan Dodson said, I began to realize that Jesus is not merely the start and the standard for salvation, but he is the beginning, the middle, and the end of my salvation. He is my salvation, not just when I was six, but every second of the day. As it turns out, the gospel's for disciples, not just for sinners. Those of you who are not Christ followers here this morning, you know, there's only one kind of person in this room, you know what it is? Sinner. That guy next to you sang and raised his hands and worshipped God and you thought, that's different. He's a sinner like you. Only difference is, his sins have been dealt with through Jesus' blood. And that's going to happen to you any minute now. Come on, come on, Norm. Come on, stop it now. What are you holding out for? You want a gold-plated invitation? I didn't get that. As it turns out, the gospel's for disciples, not just for sinners. It saves and transforms people in relationship, not merely individuals who go it alone. So Paul says, second part of verse 2, if you hold fast, hold fast to the word I preach to you, unless you believe in vain. Paul's saying, hold fast to the word. Keep your eye on the ball. Focus on God. Don't be silly. Don't mess around. Come on now. Take this thing seriously. Don't just give up at the first sign of, of, of difficulty. Why? Because this is of first importance. This is more important than you can even possibly imagine. Stay with it. Keep on the journey with God, with Jesus. And he says, unless you believed in vain. The Bible is full of sarcasm. I think he's being a little sarcastic. I'm not saying, I don't think he's saying, hey, maybe, maybe you, shouldn't, you didn't believe right. He's saying, he's saying, this thing is worth believing in. You most certainly did not believe in vain. This is not vain. This is of first importance. There's nothing more important than this, he says. And so he's inviting them. Come on now. Don't be a convert. Anybody can be a convert. Be a disciple. When you get, when, when, okay, this, how do you get to hell? Well, you just go, keep going past Port what? <laughs> All right. You just, how do you go to hell? Keep walking because you're born in sin, right? Just keep, you, you, no one is in hell who doesn't want to be there. We are born in sin. It's called original sin. It embarrasses us. We hate the idea of original sin. But your kid, your, you check your kid out. Your kid, it has your wife's genes, right? Exactly. <laughs> it didn't go to varsity to learn how to be a sinner. It just was a sinner. Bingo. You just keep walking and you die. You go to hell. That's simple. But when the gospel comes in the Greek, metanoia, you turn around. Repentance. Metanoia in the Greek. Turn around. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are new. If you, if you believe in Jesus, you will not perish, but have everlasting life. So why are there people in the church who have been saved 10, 15 years, and the bloke is as passive as a wet noodle in a Louisiana hurricane? And the woman is a manipulative old shrew. He should be shot at dawn. Why is that? Why are some of them still... Still mingy and stingy and silly and sour. Why is that? Well, look at my feet. Where are my feet? My feet are at my point of conversion. I did not become a disciple. I stayed a convert. And I made my salvation historical when it's supposed to be ongoing.
Disciples are convinced learner. Are you a disciple? Well, we'll test that when you get cancer. Are you going to follow Jesus? That's the horrific result of this rubbish called the prosperity gospel. That Jesus owes you a happy life and a happy wife and a 2.4 kid. The 0.4 kid looks weird. <laughs> and a house and a picket fence and he owes you nothing except hell. That is what it says. Disciples are simply people who are constantly revising their affairs to carry through on their decision to follow Jesus. A disciple is a person who has decided that the most important thing in their life is to learn how. That's what you've got to learn. How to follow Jesus or to do what Jesus said to do. That's why you come to church. And it'll take you a lifetime to learn it properly. We're so thick. But here's the good news, verse 3. Here it is. This is the word of first importance. Number one, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. That's incredible. God in Christ doing for us what we could never do. Our sins needing to be dealt with. And so repentance is not just that first day when you came to Christ this month. It's not just that first day Repentance is ongoing, and tonight I'm going to cover that. And I tell you, anybody who tells you that you don't have to repent once you're born again is doing such contortions on the Word of God, it will make a Chinese acrobat weep with envy. <laughs> Think about that. It's hogwash. It's a, it's a violation of Scripture to say, well, I don't have, grace says I don't have to repent. That's absolute rubbish. It's basic Bible. I don't know what they're smoking. Christ died for our sins. That's the first one. Secondly, that he was buried. He was properly buried. He was dead as in dead. He didn't just swoon, the swoon theory which says, oh, we just passed out. No, no, no. He was dead. He was the victim of a Roman killing machine. They don't mess around. They just do now. I can't believe the modern Italians are the descendants of the Romans. I don't know what happened. But they were real mercenaries. They were real killers. Have I insulted everybody this morning? Any Russians in the house? <laughs> he was properly dead. He was thoroughly dead. He was laying in a borrowed tomb. Well, my son says, Dad, why do you always say a borrowed tomb? I said, I don't know. It was. It was borrowed. It was a borrowed tomb. And then it says, thirdly, he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. Oh, I wish we had time to talk about the intellectual validation or, or credible reason for you to put your faith in the resurrection of Jesus. Oh, it's incredible. It would be all day, but the clock is against me. <laughs> Wonderful. Do you know why the stone was rolled away? Not to let Jesus out, but to let us look in. Because we need to see the grave clothes. We need to see the empty tomb. He rose on the third day. And then the last thing is he appeared to Peter or Cephas. And then to the 12. I love that he, he, he appeared to Peter. Why? Because Peter had failed. And God's the God of the second opportunity. And some of you might have walked with God once and you've given up. God is calling you out of the darkness. God's calling you out of the corners where you're hiding away. God is always wanting to reinvest his power and his life in you. Doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. I love that. It's a verified resurrection. In fact, 
The lawyers tell us that if you gave every one of those 500 eyewitnesses just five minutes of eyewitness time in a court of law, it will be the most lopsided court case in the history of jurisprudence. There's more evidence for the resurrection of Jesus Christ than there is for the existence of a man called Julius Caesar. Oh, no, it's not true. It is true. It's not. Stop arguing with me. Go look it up. Go look it up. I'm telling you, you I, I, I'm irritated when Christians are intellectually under pressure. Oh, well, just believers will take up my faith. No, no, no. There's nothing in our gospel that will not stand up to scrutiny. Our Jesus is worthy of all praise, and this gospel is of first importance. Amen. Let's stand together, shall we? Lord, you're great. Lord, you're wonderful. There's no one like you in all the earth. There's no one like you in all the heavens. <laughs> Who is like our God? You are majestic in holiness. You're the God of the universe. You're the God who spoke and all the worlds came into orbit without any effort. You created the sun and the moon. And Lord, our, our human efforts, the Hubble telescope brings back and has sent back wonderful proof of the unfolding greatness of God as He just keeps throwing out the universe because you can and because you want to display your glory. Heaven and earth is filled with your glory. Lord, we are grateful today that we don't come to a God who's dead. We don't come to a religion that's dead. But we come to a God who's alive and who's well and who's strong. And who wants to work on behalf of people. We thank you today for a salvation that has got credibility. It can go the distance. It's a salvation that's not just momentarily or historic. But Father, your salvation works in us. Working Pete out of me and working Jesus into me. We thank you so much. For, for the brilliance of the local church. What an idea. What a concept. That you would actually take broken men and women. You'd convert them. You'd change them. They'd become born again. You'd wash their sins away. And you'd put them together in a community with all their stuff. And Lord, you'd be glorified in all of it. And then you'd give us your word. This incredible, infallible word of God written over hundreds of years by 40 different authors and four different continents and four languages. And yet the continuity from Genesis all the way to Revelation is breathtaking. Lord, there are no errors, and if there are errors, they are spelling typos in manuscript duplications. But your word has life and truth, and we can open it, and we can say, Lord, who put this in there? This is new. I didn't see this. I've read the Bible for 40 years, but it's free. It's, it's fresh because your word is fresh. We thank you so much for your word. That's captivating us. And thank you so much for our preachers, our men and women, who week after week turn out here and help us and encourage us and remind us of what's really important. Thank you so much for them. Lord, bless them, we pray. Thank you for our leaders. Thank you for our, our life group leaders, our children's church teachers right there now who are helping kids understand things of first importance. We thank you for our own, all the aids we have, all the books and the, and the stuff we have to help us understand your word as we read and study it on our own day by day. Your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. We're so grateful for your precious Holy Spirit who makes us all real to us, who makes Jesus real to us, who opens what before was closed to us because we couldn't see. And the Spirit has come and opened our eyes to see Jesus. 
to see you in all your magnificence, all your power, all your glory, to see that you are the way, the truth, and the life, that no one comes to the Father except through you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your cross. Thank you for your blood shed for us. Thank you that the blood of Jesus has washed away our sins. Thank you that the blood is still powerful for us today. Thank you that this gospel, this good news, not good advice, but something that's happened, is still happening and we are being transformed with ever-increasing glory. Lord, I pray for those today who are living on their feelings, living in the past, who have standards that are even worse than yours, who beat themselves up with their failure. Lord, I thank you that you are a gracious God. I pray that you'd come right now in your power, that you would do adjustments in our hearts, that you would change us. I pray for those of us who've got a little tired with the gospel, that we would have a new heart towards your gospel. We would see this is you. This is not some disembodied principles that we're learning, but this is you. This is how to follow you, Lord. We want to follow so closely that we would be like those, those students who got the dust from the rabbi's feet onto their feet. Lead us, Lord God. Teach us, Lord Jesus, how to live. Help us to know what you would do and how you would say it. And help us to live the way you would live it, Lord. Thank you so much that you've not left us as orphans to our own devices, but Lord, you've sent your Spirit by whom we cry, Abba, Father. We want to commit ourselves in this house again to your Word. We thank you, Lord, for your Word. We pray this morning that where there are, are people who are struggling, that you'd come, you'd open eyes that are blind, you'd open hearts, you'd soften hearts that are hard. I pray for courage and comfort for those who are struggling those who, are, who have got difficulties, Lord, thank you that you will walk us through the valley of the shadow of death. You'll not exempt us from difficulty, but you will presence yourself with us and we'll know that underneath are the everlasting arms. And we've never seen the righteous forsaken or their seed begging bread. These are amazing things, Lord. These are, these are mind-blowing things. We're so grateful today. Lord, I pray this morning that we're those who are not born again, but today they would cross the line. Today, they would respond. They would say, Lord Jesus, I come to you. If, you, if you're not a Christ follower, and today you're saying, Pete, I, I want to be included in this. I've been kicking these tires for long enough now. I want to respond to this gospel. I want you to pray this prayer. And when we finish this prayer, I'm going to ask you to put your hand up because this, is not a, a, this Christian life is not something you do in the dark somewhere, like some kind of scared person. People died for this. People gave their lives for this. We're going to begin boldly because we want to end boldly. And if you want to come to Christ, pray this prayer right where you are. Lord God, I come to you today. I may not know everything I think I should know, but I've heard enough today and up to this point to know that you are the answer to all of life's questions, that your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, is the way, the truth, and the life. And I can't get to you unless I come to, through Him. And so this morning, I want to come. I want to come to receive you today. I thank you for nursing me and cornering me into this moment. I want to have my sins forgiven me. I want to begin again. I want to be converted. I want to be born again today. I respond to you today. Wash away my sin. 
No one has to tell me about my sin, Lord. I know it well. Thank you that you made a way where there was no way. Thank you for the blood of your son who washes me white as snow. I respond to you today. Make me your child. I want you to be my leader, my Lord, and my rescuer, my Savior. In Jesus' name. Amen. And those of you who who once walked with Christ, come on now. He's waiting for you. He never left you. You left him. Like the story you know of the prodigal son, it's really about the grace of the father who scoured the horizon waiting for the return of his, his daughter, his son, to return. God receives you today. Run to him. When you flex a muscle in a Godward direction, God rushes to you. And that's what he's doing today. Respond to him now. Say, God, I'm back. I'm home. Forgive me of my sin. Thank you for loving me. I'm here. I'm home. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer to become born again, to become converted, let me just see that. Did you pray that prayer, anybody, in the dark? Anybody pray that prayer? Norm, you prayed the prayer. Flippin' heck. You prayed the prayer. Anybody else? Oh my, I think the angels are saying, flippin' heck. <laughs> Can we go lie down for a bit now? Man, they've been working. Lord, I pray for Norm. Just touch him on his shoulder. Lord, thank you. I pray that you would touch him, you'd heal him, bring your grace to him, Lord God. Anybody not feeling well? Anybody ill? Just lift your hands where you're standing. Just lay your hands on the people near you that are not well. Right there, someone there. Lord, thank you, Father, for the blood of Jesus. Thank you, you're the great healer. Won't you touch your children now, we pray, in Jesus' name. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for healing power to flow now because of the blood of Jesus. We receive that now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Amen. God bless you. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen, and God bless you.